This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. This moment right now, more than ever, is a time for us to rely on our spiritual faith. When we don't have answers, lack direction, or when we feel our leaders don't have our best interest, we have to become the leader within. Go inward and listen. What you hear will heal you. Be mindful that you, my friend, are the guru. No spiritual teacher is your guru. No politician is your guru. There is no one who can give you the sense of magnitude, ease, and certainty that is within you. The time is now for all of us to rise to the highest that is within us so we can be of the highest service to others. Writes KJ Lavon. Valeria interviews KJ, the author of Why is Your Reason for Being? Realizing a new dawn for ourselves, our creativity, our coexistence. His book received the coveted endorsement of Deepak Chopra. KJ Lavon empowers individuals and employees to expand their experience so they live better and work happier. As a behavioral change expert, executive coach, and the creator of the Grow Method TM, KJ partners with corporations to elevate employee well-being and engagement by teaching inner skill development. His unique approach not only helps individuals engage their mindfulness, but also helps them understand the science of productivity, creativity, and happiness. He lives in Houston, Texas, and earned a BA from McNeese State University and MBA from Texas Southern University. Considering the pandemic, KJ is available for virtual, online, and in-person seminars slash training for the global community. Meet KJ on becomeonpurpose.blogspot.com. Here is the interview with KJ Levon. In your own words, who is KJ Lavon? In my own words, who am I? Uh, I am someone who has gone through a transformation, particularly in the last five years, to realize that I am a modified consciousness in the body that I hold on this space and time, who has shifted from that model reality of the physical 
mechanical material to someone understanding that I have shifted to this higher consciousness, which is the highest intelligence for healing and spiritual bliss, if you will. So in that sense, my journey has been one that has taken me from just the external world to the internal, the inner peace, the inner wisdom that we all have in us. And with some of the things that have occurred in my life uh, has directed me on a path that really is about what my book uh, talks about and what my life is dedicated to. And that's helping people engage their inner truth, uh, you know, why they are here uh, and helping them make the connection between their happiness and sharing their unique gift with the world. The happiness, the freedom, the security, that all lies within our commitment to do what life has given us to do. So in a sense, I am someone who is on a journey, as we all are, whether we are conscious of it or not, to uh, partake in the human spirit uh, and elevating everyone around us. And in doing that, we elevate ourselves. It sounds like you had a shift in consciousness. Would you talk to me for a moment about how that happened? Sure. <clears throat> I guess I can start uh, by talking about my adolescent years and you know all of the experiences I've had that has brought me to this point, uh, or at least uh, some of them. And that starts with uh, in grade school and high school, I played a variety of sports like most people do, uh, or I should say some. But during our annual spring football training, uh, my junior year in high school, we were lifting weights one day and someone left a copy of a muscle magazine on the floor. So I picked it up and I was immediately consumed by something I had never seen before. And we're talking bodybuilding pictures of Arnold Schwarzenegger, Robbie Robinson, Frank Zane, all of the legends of bodybuilding. And so as a young, impressionable teenager, uh, that moment grew into a passion for pumping iron and right. the goal of becoming a professional bodybuilder. But Barulia, it, it would have to be in tandem with my corporate aspirations. So once I finished college, my ambitions of becoming a professional bodybuilder continued along with moving up the corporate ladder. Uh, so in that sense, pharmaceuticals was a natural fit, uh, as I was accustomed to looking at the body, as I mentioned earlier, uh, as a physical, mechanical material. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it wasn't easy uh, sitting in the boardroom uh, in some meetings when people constantly asking you, why do you have to eat so much? Why do you have to drink so much water? <laughs> so, right. You know, at one point, I, I, I mm -hmm. just had to start, you know, inviting them, uh, my coworkers, that is, to you know, some of my workouts and some of my competition. And, you know, that offered of appreciation, not that I needed that, but, uh, you know, it always helps to show rather than just tell. So I guess in that sense, I guess what sparked my mindfulness journey within all that is it was a, a phase of my life where every waking minute until bedtime was dedicated to my career and nothing was dedicated to the routine I'd had for years each week, which included working out, rela relaxing with friends, and putting aside work on the weekends. So the diagnosis, that was, I had taken my eye off what matters, my physical and mental 
well-being. And basically, the prognosis was that if I didn't want to end up back in the emergency room, I needed to resolve the disconnect between what was in my heart and what was reality. And so, you know, it was a, a disconnect which was having a negative effect in all dimensions of my life. And it was at that moment that I made a decision to begin a new and exciting journey of living a life that I truly seek and designing my life so that it makes sense to me. And like many people, uh, especially your audience here uh, listening to this podcast, uh, instead of me programming my life, life was programming me. So it was a conundrum which kept me delaying being in alignment with who I am. And so the reality is this, you don't get in life what you want, you get in life what you are. And this untimely experience that I had, uh, was it had a profound impact on me in my life. It helped me uh, to engage what matters to me and it helped me to begin my journey of transformation. So what I discovered personally while convalescing in the emergency room is that if when you interfere with the natural flow of your body, mind and spirit, you not only compromise your ability to tap into your potential for all you're capable of doing, but you also compromise your ability to live a harmonious life, a life of well-being, mentally and physically. And so I think it was Henry David Thoreau who said, oh God, to reach the point of death only to realize I have never lived at all. So it was this self-awareness that hit me. If I continued on the same path I had been traveling, I would likely look back one day with regret for having lived a less than fulfilling life. That's when I begin wondering how many other people are there in this world who are living a life of what appears to be happiness and success, but you know, feel there's so much more in them to live a life of participation rather than accumulation. So the question for all of us individually is what matters to you? What's most important to you compared to how you're living? Shift that in order to live consistent with what matters to you. And what matters to me, Balabadia, is living a, in alignment with my heart's desire to help people, like I said, engage their inner truth on why they are, are here and to inspire them to make the connection between their happiness and their gift. So after much soul searching, I finally decided it was time to write a book, uh, the first of a trilogy, and it's a book which pronounces my life's mission and impacting lives through my book and through my speaking to help people do more, learn more, dream more, and of course, become more. So all those things, uh, like I said, it culminated with me shifting my uh, model of reality from this physical mechanical material to looking at myself as pure consciousness with the highest intelligence for healing and self-regulation. And that's where I'm at on my journey. And that's what, what has manifested that the body, mind, and spirit, they are inseparably one. Wow. And you speak of the um, being connected to spirit and showing up as a spiritual warrior. So my question is, what is spirituality to you and how is spirituality different from religion? Yes. So spirituality, I like to say, is the unspoken intelligence of your heart and soul. You know, I, a lot of people are always uh, looking 
for happiness and the things that they think would make their life better outside when really it's, it's the inside where it, where it is. And that's the inner wisdom. I think someone said, Robert Benno, the heart does not answer to the mind. The heart reveals the deepest wishes of your soul. No amount of clever justifications or smart excuses alters your heart's wish. It just delays the richly fulfilling life you truly seek. So in that sense, spirituality is the inner wisdom uh, that goes beyond the rational mind to the very essence of source, if you will, and possibility. If you listen, if you pay attention, it's always there guiding you on the path of your evolution. In that sense, how does it differ from religion? I, I think, you know, religion is something where I think someone said, uh, if you're religious, you pray. If you're spiritual, you listen. That distinction, I think, for me, uh, is really how I have transformed and, and continue to, of course, evolve, uh, is to go in and listen to my inner wisdom that is there telling me what direction to go. And, of course, it's never that easy to, to get that direction at times, but uh, it's a process, and that's why it's called evolution. So my next warm-up question is about happiness. What is happiness to you? Yes, happiness, again, most people think of it as a specific thing. It's not. Happiness is creating moments of experiences. And in that sense, you know, people, I think, uh, really struggle to find what, what does that mean, happiness? I always like to say that I believe the purpose of life is the expansion of happiness, that when you find those things that bring the greatest joy to your life, you, you're on the trail to discovering this inner truth, again, yeah. why you are here. In that sense, one of the two fundamental messages uh, of my book is that the more you give, the more value you create for others, and the more enriching your life becomes. And I think it was uh, Daz Ram who said, someone asked, well, how can I be happy? The answer was, make someone else happy. And that really is what life is about uh, when you look at it from the, the point of inner peace, if you will, inner wisdom and living the life that they were meant to live while we're here, while we're visiting, I like to say. Yeah, that really resonates. And I hear that um, almost from everyone. When I ask the question about the purpose of life, that always comes into play, helping others, sharing, yes. giving. So yes, I, I'm just going to say that that is exactly what, you know, I think most people understand if, if they have the, the wisdom, if you will, to go in and, and look for that and engage that. I often wonder why so many of us are afraid or are not willing to go deeper, to go inside, to look within. Do you have some ideas? <laughs> I think we all have the chance to live you know a life that is what we would say uh the best for our own sake i think we get caught up with this world we live in where it's all about having rather than being and so when you talk about that you have to assume that there is this level of uh, trepidation and i say that because there's three levels of toxicity, if you will, in this world, uh, with people who are focused on having rather than being. And the three are uh, the belief that 
there's not enough. The myth that more is always better. And number three, the resignation that it's just the way it is. And I think for most people, the result is they disconnect from the abundance. And when I say abundance, uh, you know, some people might think, oh, well, how much stuff you have? No, I'm talking in terms of the flow of goodness in your life. That's abundance. So again, the result is people disconnect from the abundance and they begin to live with a deepening sense of inner lack. And for me, because I believe that what we focus on expands, if we operate from a place of insufficiency, that can manifest into an ever-growing anxiety that contentment will never be within reach. And I think the radical surprising truth is that what you have and who you are is enough. Mm -hmm. And so if you make the shift to a mentality of enough, 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 Mm. just imagine how dramatically that can shift your relationship with some of our most precious resources, including time. So in essence, uh, when you allow the worry to fall away, you'll realize uh, a miraculous number of minutes, hours, days, weeks, all of those were there available to you all along. Mm, So in that sense, I I think people get caught up with the sense of having, which uh, clouds their judgment and and their their decisions and so on, uh, when in fact, they already have enough. And that brings me to the um, idea or the practice of unconditional self-love. That might be missing for most of us. So my question is, do you believe that this is a must in a way in this journey of inner discovery, unconditional self-love? Yes. Uh, again, I, I think we all uh, as humans, as we visit on our journey here, get caught up with all of the worries, the, I guess, struggles and you know the daily routine of life and getting caught up with our you know, friends are doing this and that. Uh, I wish I could you know, do this and that as well. And that takes us away from who we are in a sense of what we relate to as opposed to what someone else relates to. You know, I talk about when people ask me, what, what are goals and how can you set them? Well, a lot of people, you know, <laughs> unknowingly set goals that are for other people because they see someone and like, oh, wow, they, they did that. Well, let me try this when it has nothing to do with them, because unless you start with your beliefs and values, you're not going to be able to attain the desires you have. Uh, So it really has to be, again, introspection to where you know yourself, you get to know yourself on a level of being able to, again, start with the beliefs and values, your core values. That's where you start in order to allow yourself to open up your heart to what is yours already. Like purpose. I hate it when people say, well, how do I find my purpose? You, you don't find your purpose. <laughs> yeah. It's already there. <laughs> you know? yeah. True. <laughs> so the same thing with, you know, again, self-love, you won't find it in someone else. Mm. It comes from within. Yeah. So true. And I'm glad you brought that up about purpose, our own unique purpose, that we all have one, or you might call the core values or our beliefs and what is in the heart. So my question is, how do we know when we are there, when we have accessed our purpose? Yes. 
I always like to make the analogy of uh, purpose in a mountain. What does a mountain and purpose having in common? It is that the concept of divine purpose is like a mountainside with a winding path to one specific destination. And, you know, along the way, there are beautiful vistas, beautiful stops that you make, but yet it is always the mountain upon which we're traveling. So your essential purpose, again, as we said before, it's always with you. It is there to be revealed and experienced over the course of a lifetime. And that's what we call our destiny. Mm -hmm. Well, KJ, what's destiny? I I like to say that destiny is a collection of meaningful self-expressions that come to us uh, spontaneously in the moment at times in waves or seasons at other times. Mm -hmm. But yet, always present in that expression of your purpose is your true self. And your true self always knows how to fulfill your needs. So purpose in itself, like I said, is always there in you. It's something that you live over the course of a lifetime. And because we are all here, we have a unique purpose to fulfill, no matter how deep you try to bury that desire, that purpose that's within you. It's a force that can never be extinguished. Mm. Yeah. So it's always there. And what it takes to uncover it is, would you say, self-knowledge, self-awareness? Self-awareness definitely is one of the things that obviously if, if you're listening, which we do through our meditation practice, that can be definitely something that allows you to dial into what it is that makes you happy. And, and I think from a practical sense, what I do is with some of my clients is start off with what's your happy space? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an exercise which have them do, and that is take out a piece of paper, divide it into four quadrants. And in the first quadrant, what are you doing that you want to do with your life? In the second quadrant, what are you not doing that you want to do with in your life? And the third quadrant is what are you doing that you're not doing? With your life and the fourth is what is it that you don't want to do with your life so quadrants one and four enhance your life quadrants two and three compromise your life and so what that does is allow you to identify your happy space again so allow you to know that if this is what makes me happy then apparently that is what connects me to my gift right. and being able to share that with others right. so that's, again, uh, the awareness that goes with that uh, and being able to see that and live it. Yeah. And that also goes back to that work of self-love, because a lot of times it feels like it has been my case in the past where I didn't feel I deserved to be happy. Mm. So that was the reason why I didn't follow that voice or what it was in my heart, because I felt like I didn't deserve that joy, that happiness. A lot of people do that, and, and we can sum that up in one word, ego. Mm, right, <laughs> the the right. ego is always there creating, creating these limited stories about why we can't make enough money doing what we love or why we don't, we're not worthy of prosperity. But the thing is, Valeria, is that it's basically as, as you recognize that those stories are, are simply thoughts and not the truth, 
then you can start to let those go and you can return to your natural flow of creativity, joy, and abundance. Yeah, so true. It takes courage, though. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it really, really took a lot of courage, especially for women, for some reason. I'm not sure if it happens with everyone, but for us, um, yeah, it, it seems to be more challenging to do that. You got past that, though. Mm, oh, yeah. Yes. Good. Good. Yeah. Yes. That's all, it's a good feeling, isn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that brings me to the next warm up question. It's freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? One of the things I, I talk about in one of my talks is um, I was at a point in my life uh, with the story I just uh, described earlier. Yeah. I compromised my soul. I negotiated my integrity. So I had a choice to make. Uh, continue to live an unfulfilling life or design my life in a way that makes sense to me. Right. And basically, after much soul searching, I decided if I want to be free, I've got to be me. So, you know, that, that really is, it sums it up in terms of, again, being able to dial into your inner wisdom, your inner peace, rather than looking for it in someone else or something else that allows you to be free. When you're free, you're able to be happy in the moment. Right. Uh, and granted, yes, there are going to be times when there is stress and setbacks and chaos and what have you. But if we all look at the fact that whenever we are you know, in positions where it seems like things will, are not going our way, we have to look inward. We have to go inward. And find that safety, that feeling free, if you will, because it's there. Yeah, it is there. I love what you said. It even rhymed. The um, in order to be free, I've got to be me. Yes, yes. If I want to be free, I've got to be me. Yeah, so true. Not what others think I should be. Oh my God, that would be a great title of a book. <laughs> you should write that one. <laughs> oh. Yes. Well, since you said it, it might be you that needs to write it. <laughs> oh, wow. I love that. I love that. Yes. You wrote uh, the blog post, The Certainty of Uncertainty. And yes. this is the topic of our conversation today. But you also wrote the book, Why is Your Reason for Being? Mm -hmm. So I have a basic question for now, which is, how did you become a writer, KJ? Mm. Great question. How did I become a writer? Yeah. You know, I can remember uh, being in grade school and the teacher would always compliment me. Wow, KJ, you, you write so beautifully. Uh, not only the, the words that, that you write, but, but what you write. And I always had a passion for writing and reading. She would come around uh, in various grades and teacher would come around and have to take the book away from me because I was reading instead of paying attention to her, right? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so I always had that, uh, I guess, really passionate, uh, you know, being an avid reader and an avid writer that stayed with me through the years. And until, like I said, I started on my journey, uh, you know, that there, there was really not this um, need to want to put my words in a book until now. But there again, I always had that, that skill, if you will, to whatever level. And I think for me, it was just a natural progression to have those 
you know, skills that I, I had all along to put them to use, to be able to share them. Like I said, you know, sharing my unique gift and being able to do that in a way that impacts lives. And of course, in return, uh, impacts my life as well. Right. That's interesting how by uncovering and having the courage to be ourselves and live from that space, we ended up helping others. That might be the best way, right, KJ, to help others. Exactly. And I think that's where you come uh, again. You listen to your inner wisdom when you arrived and you always arriving. At certain levels, you arrive at points where, again, you're able to allow yourself to be open to share what it is that you have. So 2020 has been a, a year, a time of change and challenges. So this relates very well to the article you sent me. So I have a few questions for you here. The first one is, what have you learned from 2020, from the challenges we had? What have I learned from the yeah. challenges? I think when you really take a look at all the things that have compounded the crisis we have, you know, we've got a trifecta of the, the pandemic, uh, economic uh, debacle, social injustice. I think what this pandemic has revealed is that we need a new way to be happy. And I say that because this pandemic has, has shed light on the underlying issue that wellness, the wellness movement has not caught on to the extent that the average person knows how to be well, happy, secure, mm. and self-sufficient. And I mean this in personal terms, not economic ones. The average person is so fixated on holding a job and the price of gasoline yeah. that it would seem like a fantasy to talk about a fulfilling job mm. and the price of unhappiness. True. And so we need a new way of being happy based on well-being. And for some people, you know, it might sound like a radical shift or, you know, this is too ideal or even foolish, then I would pose the question to these people, upon what are you basing your happiness? Right. If, if it is based on money, status, possessions, and lifelong consumerism, you need to wake up. You know, these all have been normal standards of happiness for a long time. And the result is a pitiful level of well-being. Right. And so, this pandemic offers us a grand opportunity to not only increase awareness, but also to give hope to a better future in making your own well-being the start of global wellness. Mm. If you look a little deeper, COVID-19 exposes a need to take human well-being more seriously. And actual well-being, for me, I think, looks very different. It's the hallmark of community and mutual support, valuing uh, happiness is essential to human life, as we just talked about. Yeah. And affording lifelong good health, uh, living in an environment with pure air and water, something as simple as that, you know, a lack of violence with the necessary emphasis on peace, equal acceptance for all, and the abolition of us versus them thinking, you know, right. Right. of the kind that builds barriers of, of every kind. So right. again, I, this pandemic, I think, shows that we do need a new way to be happy. We all have this wish to change others in societies and the world and all, but I'm wondering how realistic that is in our lifetime. Yes. How realistic is it to have people start to look at 
happiness and well-being in a different way. Yes, yeah, from that yes. space of freedom that we spoke earlier. Yes. yes, yes. I think it all has to start with the inner strength of compassion. It starts with accepting others as equal and treating them as you would treat yourself, want people to treat you. Because when you, you don't allow yourself to recognize that this person is you in a sense, because we're all connected, yeah. whether we admit right. it or not. Yeah. Uh, this universe is one. Yeah. We are the universe right. and vice versa. So if you don't have that sense of being one, uh, it's difficult to allow yourself to treat others in a way that's compassionate, that's kind, and start to move away from this you know, idea that we're separate, that you know, I have more money than you. I've got to have a bigger house than you, a bigger car, a better car. You know, all those things come from the ego, as we mentioned earlier. Right. And so in order to get past that, we have to create these communities, as I just mentioned, of compassion. Because studies show that when we practice that, uh, it's kind of like when you're born, we all have this innate basic goodness in us. But as we go through life and live in this society that we have, it's all about having, which takes us out of that, that realm of, you know, intrinsic value that was already there. And so, you know, in order to nurture that, we need communities to uh, help us instill it every day. It's kind of like uh, Zig Ziglar. I don't know if you're familiar with him, a uh, mm -hmm. motivational speaker back in the day. He said, uh, you know, yeah, motivation is, is like a shower. You need it every day. You know? <laughs> true. So, you so know, true. <laughs> that's what I think we need uh, in order to, again, nurture what's already there. Because back to these studies, uh, they show that feral kids who grew up in the wild with no language struggled. They, they didn't understand or know the language because they had not gotten the nurturing they needed like you see most of us do and get. So again, unless we are able to nurture that by starting with ourselves right. and sharing that and helping others do the same, then there's going to be difficulty in getting or having a society where we're able to connect in a way that elevates everyone. You wrote this actually, you said, when our sense of outside safety is taken from us, we have to learn how to find safety within. True. I would love for you to talk to me about the still mind, meditation and mindfulness. I think in the context of speaking about the still mind with what obviously we're experiencing in the world today, uh, a still mind means a spiritual mind and, and it, it's beyond our internal dialogue because right now, you know, you're having a conversation with yourself and with me, <laughs> right. and, but, <laughs> but in meditation, you go beyond that. And when you go beyond that and your mind gets still, guess what? Your body gets still. And that actually enhances self-regulation and, and homeostasis. And I say this to, as it relates to the pandemic, uh, that brings down inflammation and actually activates the genes that are responsible for what we call self-regulation, genes that decrease inflammation in the body. So what I mentioned earlier, it's not a good idea to separate the mind from the body. Uh, because right now, 
there's a pandemic of fear. There's a pandemic of stress. And that compromises the immune system by raising adrenaline and cortisol. Uh, and so it results in what we call inflammatory storms or cytokine storms, to, to name some of the medical terms. But in a sense, the pandemic of fear is more contagious than the virus itself because the pandemic of fear, it doesn't need physical contact. It can spread through the internet, through the media, and so on. And so right now, the best thing we can do is calm our mind, uh, experience the stillness that is already there in us, and evoke self-healing, self-regulation, homeostasis, as I mentioned. And it's the best thing we can do while you know we're physically isolated, however, to whatever degree that is. And we can be connected with each other. Right now, we're, we're connected to the world, you and I. Right. Wow. That is such an important message because, yeah, we, a lot of times we think about um, pandemics and all the danger being something outside, right? But it's, it could be in, within our own selves too. Our own, the mind's creating them. Before I ask you those ending questions, I guess I would like you to talk to me for a moment about the GROW method that you have created. This all came to be out of my own experiences and my journey. You know, we all have this thing about uh, being able to activate positive mental states. You know, we go to these seminars or this inspirational talks and, you know, we, we leave out and, and we're, you know, rah, rah, yeah, ready to go. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, it's like we hadn't even attended that function, you know, <laughs> it's like, what, 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 did, what did we learn? You know, so the, the thing is we're good at activating it, but we're not good at installing those positive mental states in a practical sense. And so again, through my journey, I created this grow method, which involves being able to turn passing mental states into lasting neural traits. It's grounded in neuroscience. It's a simple, very powerful, method, which to a degree starts with, say you are thinking of someone who cares, who you know cares about you. It could be someone in your life, someone in your past. It could be a group of people or even a pet. doesn't matter what it is. What you're trying to do is to create a good feeling around that person or, or pet. In doing that, you're trying to create this idea or this memory of this person as well as uh, the image. And so you, you start with that good feeling and that right there, that gets it going. The first step, the, the G gain a good experience. Okay. So, you know, you've got this experience and you allow it to change from a concept to actually experiencing it and staying with it. Then the R is reinforcement. So, you know, it's kind of a critical mass of time, a threshold, if you will. Because things need to last long enough in our experience to transfer from the short-term memory basis to long-term storage, okay? And then, meanwhile, you've got uh, this feeling sinking into you, and basically, you're occupying it. And at this point, you're being mindful. Mindful is being present with intention, okay? As you know, and then... What that does is you feel it sinking into you and you're feeling love from this person or, or a group of people, whoever it is that, that you know cares about you, and you're sinking into it. And then that's the O, the occupy. 
And then the W is weaving the positive into the negative. Uh, you know, we obviously have a hardwired brain towards negativity. Well, why is that? Well, uh, our ancestors had to, you know, be on the lookout for that saber-toothed tiger <laughs> danger all around them. And because if they uh, survived it, they had to remember it. So that that is a hardwired part of us. But with the W, what you want to do is to weave the positive into the negative. And you've got to be careful because you don't want to be hijacked by the negative. But if you can stay with the positive long enough and, and you associate that with the negative, again, neurons that fire together, wire together. So what that means is, is eventually that positive will take over that negative. It will soothe it. It will ease it and eventually uh, replace it. Now, this is not a magic formula. Uh, like evolution, it, it takes practice. Uh, but I found for myself that in this journey uh, I'm on, it has helped me and it continues to help me. And it can help anyone, like I said, because it's, it's very simple, but yet very powerful. So the GROW method is basically allowing you to not only activate that positive mental state, but also installing those traits within you. Say, for instance, if you want to have more confidence, uh, have more experiences of accomplishment or coping. If you want to have a more loving heart, uh, practice more moments of compassion or kindness to others. So that essentially, uh, again, is, is the GROW method, uh, which is a simple method that can be practiced after meditation, after workout, whatever time that is good for you, it can be applied in those simple ways. Yeah, it makes so much sense because it's not just, it doesn't become only an intellectual understanding. You actually apply that in life. It just becomes an experience, which is an integration of knowledge. That makes so much sense. Thank you for the healing work you do, KJ. Thank you. Thank you. So I have uh, two more questions for you. Those are the ending questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Hmm. I think for me, looking at the journey that I'm on right now, yeah. I wouldn't say it's a regret or do something different, but if I could do it over, I would be living in alignment with my heart's desire sooner <laughs> rather than later yes. uh, because yeah. this journey is awesome. I, I feel fulfilled and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, there are discouragements, there are setbacks, there, there are some times when my faith is tested. Yes. But at the same time, I, I think the more I practice this journey, uh, the more I put myself in a position to grow and to evolve. So with that said, um, yes, this journey is fantastic. And had I, you know, allowed myself, I would definitely take an opportunity to be on this journey sooner. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? I think going back to what I mentioned when we began uh, is that I am pure consciousness and that will never change uh, whether I am, you know, this physical form or not. The second is I may be identified with, you know, the way I look. But again, the spirit for which I, I'm here presenting yeah. uh, at this time is always going to be the same. And it you know, might be reincarnation uh, that I'm 
come back and I don't know, I might be a different species, but I, I do believe in reincarnation. And so I don't think that will change. And then the third thing is, I think that the universe as it is, is always evolving. But one thing is certain, we are all connected and that will never change. Thank you so much for your loving presence, your clarity. I love how clear you are about the wisdom that you allow to flow through you. And thank you for your work. Thank you for the time together. Thank you so much, KJ. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Right now, my book is uh, on Barnes & Noble. I am attempting to get it on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now it is on Barnes & Noble. Why is your reason for being? Uh, subtitle, Realizing a New Dawn for Our Selves, Our Creativity, Our Coexistence. Uh, and of course, that's the first of three books that I, I'm working on the second one at this time. To reach me, I'm on social media, Instagram, KJ underscore LaVan. That's L as in Lima, A as in Alpha, V as in Victor, A as in Alpha, N as in November. Uh, and also on Facebook, KJ LaVan. Uh, and Twitter, same, KJ LaVan. So those are the places you can reach me. And um, if there's any you know questions or anything, please just DM me. Uh, I would love to, to hear from you. And of course, uh, let's share. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Bye for now, KJ. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about KJ Levon and his work, please visit becomeonpurpose.blogspot.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.